This is episode two of Motherboard. This episode is sponsored by our Kickstarter campaign, so huge thanks to everyone who gave, and by Heroku. Heroku allows your organization to build apps faster, deploy instantly, and scale on demand without managing servers. Gain the flexibility to deploy any language, any time, and to any scale. Learn more and sign up to get started at Heroku.com. I'm Catherine Rotendo, and with me today is Jean Sue. Jean is based in the San Francisco Bay Area, where she is an engineer at Medium with a 10-month-old daughter at home. Hi, Jean. Hi. How are you? Good. So uh, what do you do exactly at Medium? I saw on your Twitter profile that you're a builder of things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Joined Medium when there's probably an engineering and design team of like four to five people. So in the last few years, I've done sort of a variety of things, working in the front end and back end and leading some projects as well. Wow. So you've been there. Have you been there since almost the beginning? I feel like I didn't know about Medium four or five years ago. Yeah. um, When I joined Medium, it was actually still the obvious corporation. Uh, It was December of 2011, which was about six months before we launched Medium. So we were still very much in a prototyping phase. Wow. So you've seen it take off and become the the huge platform that it is today. Yeah, it's been very exciting. Lots of like changes every, like all the time. <laughs> yeah, I saw um, just at the end of last year, um, you guys put out a new version, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, so what kind of engineering work do you do? What, um, what languages are you using or, or how would you describe your work? Um, so everything's in JavaScript. We use Node uh, Node.js for our backend and front end. We have sort of an in-house uh, system. Um, yeah, almost everything's in JavaScript. We have we're starting to introduce some things in Go, but um, I haven't personally written any Go yet. Oh, cool! I was just at a conference where uh, one of the speakers made music with Go, and that was pretty fun to see. Oh, cool. Yeah, it seems to be really like taking off and getting a developer community around it. Well, so um, were you interested in programming as a kid or is this something you came to later? Um, I didn't know what programming was. I, my freshman year of high school, I took um, an intro to programming in C++ class just because I had no idea what it was and I figured well, you know, this might be a cool elective to take and try to figure out what this is. And I didn't really have any idea that, like, there weren't a lot of females <laughs> in the industry or not a lot of girls programmed. So, and the teacher was, uh, she was, she's a woman. So that I think that maybe probably made a huge difference. Looking back, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, same here. Actually, my mom saved a letter from my first computer teacher. Uh, you know, the, the letter they give you at the end of the class saying, mm-hmm. Catherine was good at this, this, and this, or or whatever. And it was signed by this woman. And I, I saw this woman's name, Gigi. So she's clearly a woman. <laughs> um, but I have no memory of her. Um, anyway, I'm happy that I had a, a woman role model back then, even if I don't have so many now. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. 
Um, so, okay, so before that, what were you like as a kid? Like, what were you into? Um, I did a lot of outdoor things. We lived on a farm, and so we always had a lot of animals. I think for a while I wanted to be a vet. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, I, I liked to read a lot and just a very diverse interest. Nothing like not super focused on any one thing. Well, that sounds like a great childhood being out in the fresh air and around yeah. animals. Yeah. Um, and then after this uh, freshman year class, were you hooked? Did you just stay with it from then? I wouldn't say I was hooked yet, but then I took, so then I took an, the AP course junior year and I took it because um, it was like the, I had taken it, the intro course in C++ and the next year the AP course was going to be in Java. So I was like, well, if I, I'm going to take it, I better take it now before it switches to Java and then I don't know what's going on. And then um, when I got to college, uh, I didn't take, I don't think I took any CS courses until my sophomore year, sophomore year. So I sort of forgot about it. And then when I started taking courses again, I realized, oh, like this was something that I really loved to do. And, um, you know, at some point I realized I could actually major in it and not just like get a certificate or a minor in it. And that was sort of like a, um, like an epiphany, like, oh, I could just do this <laughs> instead of like, try to find something else that I love enough to major in and then sort of attack this on the side. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't major in it and, um, I'm, I'm sort of interested in the way that formal, um, computer science or engineering training differs from the, what we do in the working world as web developers or um, front end or mobile developers, um, you know, you don't learn JavaScript, for example, in a CS program. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it depends. I guess it depends on the school. Like some schools, I think Stanford has more applications type things, but at the time, I mean, and it, a lot of it were, were the courses that I took and the courses I gravitated toward. And I took like, um, a lot of discrete math and like, uh, you know, like AI and those sorts of things that I enjoyed, but yeah, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> like I started my first job out of school was at Google and I started, you know, with really no practical like applications knowledge at all, <laughs> which is sort of terrifying. Wow. What were you doing there? Um, I worked on the Google checkout team. So uh, working on some uh, experimental apps using the checkout platform. Uh, is Google where you were um, before you went to Obvious? No, I was at Pulse in between. Pulse was like a news reading application and I was working on the Android app there. Okay, wow. So yeah, you've really done a wide variety of things. Yeah, so actually when I joined Obvious, I'd only really coded professionally in Java and I joined in everything was in JavaScript. And I was like, well, I don't know JavaScript. I think they, they knew that when they hired me. And it was sort of a, um, like, not steep, but like, it was sort of like, you know, in the first two weeks, just, just trying to like, just watching people code in JavaScript and getting a feel for the language ramped up pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think that is what a, a computer science, uh, what a formal education gives you is the ability to pick up another language when you have to really easily. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, on this show, I want to talk about your kids. Um, you mm -hmm. have one daughter. 
Yeah. Yeah. Alina. And she is. She's um, uh, 10 months old. Were you, so you were already at Obvious then when you had her? Yeah, I was, um, I guess about a year, a year and a few months in. And um, did you already know by the time that you were looking for that job at Obvious that you wanted to be a parent and were parental benefits something that you were thinking about in your compensation package or was it totally you just found out about them when you needed them? I, I guess I've always known that I wanted to be a parent. I didn't really know quite what the timeline was like and it wasn't something that I was looking at when I um, when I joined Obvious. So the benefits were very good for a startup and there was always like an emphasis on you know, really treating the employees with respect and like we have like unlimited time off. So like, I just sort of, when it, when it came around to it, I knew that it would be a good policy and it, yeah. that was never like a concern, you know? That's great that you could have that trust. Mm -hmm. When you became a parent, were there other parents at Obvious? Had you seen other people, men or women go through the process of taking leave and coming back to work? Or were you sort of a pioneer in that regard? Um, I had seen other people take uh, some paternity leave, mm -hmm. but not not any mothers at that point. Did they take then a shorter amount of time, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was also like earlier in the company. So, so one took like maybe two weeks and then Another sort of took like a month and then worked sort of sporadically or part-time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I had my son, um, I only knew people who were dads and they'd taken right. two weeks off. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you know, the difference between two and 12 weeks for me was, was pretty huge. Yeah, especially at a startup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right, so I want to talk about how things were when you got back to work, but first I, I want to hear a little bit about how things were when you became pregnant and had to tell your boss about that and how you dealt with any early symptoms and, you know, keeping your energy <laughs> good for um, startup work. So, um, mm -hmm. so how, how was that? How was your early pregnancy? Were you well? Were you sick? Um, I was, I was sick. Yeah, I was sick from about maybe eight weeks to like 14 weeks. I feel like I was pretty sick, but never at work. So I'd wake up, wake up, like, usually I would throw up in the morning before I left for work. And then I'd sort of feel like nauseous most of the day. But I, I would usually be okay at work because it's like I could just sit down and like work on my computer and not be too active. And and I think the hardest part was um, I was commuting from Mountain View to San Francisco. So the train ride wasn't bad. It was an hour and a half each oh, way. Wow. And so the train ride wasn't bad, but the worst part was the 15 minute walk from the Caltrain station to the office because <laughs> there's just a lot of like car fumes and sometimes people are smoking and like, that's just, that was like really hard for a few weeks. Right. Your sense of smell goes on like hyper drive when you're yeah. pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. An hour and a half each way. That was a really long day then. Yeah. There, yeah, there were a few 
probably like two to three months, like the whole first trimester, I was just very tired the whole time. Like if I wasn't sick, I was at least just very tired. Yeah. So did you go home and just crash at the end of the day? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, so when did you tell people at work? Was it, um, during this time or after, or did you wait until after your it first was, trimester? Yeah, it was just at the end of the first trimester, which I think was what made it difficult was that I didn't know like how much it was impacting my productivity and I could, didn't really want to tell people that I was pregnant yet. And so it's sort of like the first trimester can be like the hardest part and you can't, you're, it's like very lonely because you, no one knows, right? Yeah, I, I feel like it's lonely and it's also, it's this weird kind of secrecy that, I mean, I normally never keep secrets, so right. I'm not practiced in that. I don't know how to do that <laughs> well, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. And then when you um, announced it, um, who did you tell first at work and how did you sort of spread the news to the people who needed to know? So I I sat down with um, Ev, our our founder, mm -hmm. and I had set up a me I had to set up a one on one with him. So I asked his assistant to set up a one on one with him, and she she was like, uh, "Are you are you quitting?" Because usually I don't like proactively set up set up one on ones. Right. And I was like, "No, I'm not quitting." And then she says, "Are you pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> and so she knew. Um, but she basically warned him that I was meeting with him, but I wasn't quitting. Yeah. <laughs> so he had that context. And so I told him and he was super supportive and he just said, like, you know, let us know anything like to make this like anything you need to make this like time period just as easy as it can be for you. Like, you know, we're here to support you. And then right after that meeting, I went in, I went to the next room where our CTO was just working on his laptop and I said, Oh, can I, um, can I talk to you for a second? I just finished talking to Ev and I wanted to let you know. And his eyes just like got really, got really big. Cause he oh. didn't have the context that like, I wasn't quitting. Oh my gosh. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. Like I saw him sort of like freak out internally. And I was like, um, Oh, I'm not quitting. I'm just pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. Cause the first thing he said was, Oh, that's great. I really like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it sounds like he was in very, total shock. <laughs> which was very, very funny and sweet thing to say. Yeah. Aww. And then after, a few weeks later, I told um, the rest of the company on Friday afternoon, we have these like Friday, Friday afternoon meetings with the whole company. And at the end of it, I just um, sort of announced to everyone that, I was pregnant. That was why I was eating snacks all the time and <laughs> eating a lot in general. <laughs> so you didn't lose your appetite during the during the first trimester. Oh no, I definitely did. But I I lost my appetite. But like, there were times when you sort of had to eat like every hour to two hours. Otherwise, you'd just feel really hungry and sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it was sort of like, sometimes I wanted to eat everything and sometimes I didn't want to eat, but I knew I had to. <laughs> yeah. I think I basically subsisted on saltines and graham crackers for the whole first trimester. And I, I ate a number of them. I just couldn't handle other food. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I remember like, you just have to 
I had to plan ahead so much. Like in the morning, I would pack like all these little Tupperwares with like cut up fruit and like crackers and and then I would just like eat them throughout the day so I wouldn't feel sick. And then when I announced that I was pregnant, one of my coworkers said, oh, I like, I was, I was thinking like, wow, Jean is so smart. She's bringing all these healthy snacks. Like maybe I should do that. <laughs> and, and then he's like, oh, it makes like much more sense now that you were. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, so after, after that, after you announced it to other people and got over sort of the early morning sickness. Um, how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Um, it was pretty good. Like I think the second and third trimesters went pretty smoothly. Um, the second trimester felt almost nor normal. Well, I guess the first half of it, I still usually threw up in the mornings, but then it was just like, I mean, by that time it was like, great, I'm not throwing up like four times a day. It's just, and I don't, and I don't feel nauseous, right? It's just, wake up, throw up, and then it's like, get on with your day, which sounds like, I don't know, my, my perspective on like, getting sick is very different now that I Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the rest of the second trimester was pretty smooth, like I felt pretty normal. Um, third trimester was pretty good until like the last month or month and a half when you're just getting like, just huge, yeah. you know? And then it's just like, you're just so ready to have a baby and not be huge anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how did that go? Did you work right up until your daughter was born or did you take any leave before the due date? The maternity leave policy was started four weeks before. And so I was, I had the option of taking four weeks off before, but I actually um, worked from home like one week and then took three weeks off. Um, and it was mostly that I wanted to be close to home in case like anything happened. Um, Cause I did have, I still had like a, an hour long commute at that point on public transit. And so I wanted to be close to home. And, and then the three weeks were just like, there was just so much to do to get ready. I mean, it was our first kid and we didn't know, like, you know, we had to get the nursery set up and all these. Yeah. And that's when things. sort of your nesting, instincts kick in anyway, right? You're like, let's yeah. get this done. Yeah. Um, and so then yeah. how much leave did you take after she was born? The maternity leave policy at medium is like up to four weeks before. And then um, I guess it's like 14 or 16 weeks after. Um, and then, but about like six to seven weeks after the delivery, I, I didn't like, I, I wanted to get back to work. Like I knew a lot of things were changing and like, I just, my husband and I knew that we wanted to sort of split up like who took care of Alina a little bit more, like, and we wanted to get into that earlier. So I went back to work part-time around, I think week seven. And then oh, I worked wow. part-time for a few months. So I used sort of uh, took a big chunk of maternity leave up front and then split the rest in like two day chunks for a few months. Nice. It's nice that you had the flexibility to do that. Well, I sort of, I, I sort of just did it. I mean, I was the first one to use the policy. <laughs> so, I mean, I brought it up and everyone seemed to be like, yeah, you can, I mean, that sounds fine. You know, no one said, 
oh, you can't, you can't do that. So I just sort of went ahead and did it. <laughs> I, I've heard that, um, I think it's in Sweden. I'm definitely going to get the facts wrong only because this is uh, a recorded thing where being wrong can <laughs> be <laughs> recorded for eternity. Um, but I, I think in Sweden, the parental leave um, that's mandated by the government is actually structured that way that you can take um, that child leave anytime within, I feel like it's the first seven years of your kid's life. Whoa. Yeah, it's something, it's something um, very, very different from the way that things are structured in the US, but it makes sense. I mean, if you wanna save some time for, I don't know, sick days or, or something down the road, you can. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not an option for, for most people in the US, but um, it's nice to hear that you were able to sort of invent that for yourself, that you wouldn't just take it all straight up front, yeah. but kind of spread it out a little more. Yeah, I'm really glad um, I did that because I think if I had gone in either other direction, so like if I had gone back to work full time after six weeks, I think it would have been too much. And I think if I had stayed home for like another, you know, two months, I probably, you know, it probably would have been too much too. Yeah, yeah. So you were the first person to use the maternity leave policy. So. Um, so I take it then the policy is different for moms and dads. Um, yeah, so the, I, I don't think we had an official maternity or paternity leave policy when I announced my pregnancy. Like they had started looking into it because they wanted they wanted it to be good so that we could like sort of you know use it to like not not use it to attract candidates, but like basically like they wanted the benefits to be good and to figure it out before like someone was yeah. going to use it. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess the timing was like not quite right because I like was like, I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but probably about halfway through my pregnancy, um, I sat down with HR and they were like, Oh, you know, we, this is, this is sort of roughly what the policy will be like. Um, and like, we'll have more details later, but like, we wanted to have like a really good policy. So it was, I guess there was a little bit of anxiety because I knew it would be good, but I didn't know what that means for a startup with 20 people. <laughs> right. Cause right. it could be, it could be like, um, you get six weeks off, like partially paid, right? Like it could be that, mm -hmm. which is like, I guess better than what you have to do legally, but it's still not like great. Right. It's not like if you worked at a big company that had a really amazing maternity leave policy, but they, they sat me down and um, it was like, yeah, we basically took Google's policy and cloned it. Like, well, that's, <laughs> that's amazing for like a company with 20 people. That is amazing. Um, and did your husband take time off too? Yeah. So he, um, he was working for himself at that time. So he was, uh, so he, when Alina was born, we both took six weeks off up front, which was really nice yeah. um, that we were able to do that. And then after the six weeks, he actually started um, doing consulting for Medium. And he worked um, two days in the office and then part-time the rest of the time. And so one of us was always in the office. <laughs> and the other one was sort of at home with Alina for a few I guess maybe like two months mm -hmm. 
and then um, and then she started daycare. So it was kind of a I don't think it was really a great situation because it's hard to um, work when you're watching a baby and he sort of had to do a little bit of work from home. Yeah. So that wasn't really ideal. And I think if we did it, if we like could go back in time, that's probably the thing we would have changed is like to put her in daycare or to have like a nanny um, part time while he was working. Yeah. You just can't count on them sleeping in fact you can almost right. count on them not sleeping and being pretty horrible if you have to get something done right it's just really hard to plan plan your day and plan your time around like a baby that's up like every hour you know yeah exactly um well so you started back part-time which was like a couple of days a week right so you started yeah. out immediately having full days away from the baby but then a couple of days where you're at home yeah I started uh working three days I worked Monday through Wednesday and how was that at first um it was it was fine like I think it was so early that it, she wasn't very like interactive you know <laughs> <laughs> like I remember like maybe when she was closer to like four or five months, it actually became harder to leave in the morning because she would start, she would like smile and she would laugh and she would like look at me and like, she was just very cute in the morning and she's in a good mood, you know? Um, but when I started, like, you know, she was still very much like this sleeping and like sleeping, pooping, eating, like, <laughs> like, not the things very, the babies do. Yeah, like not very, not very interactive yet. And so I think that actually made it like much easier for me to transition back into work. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And also that I knew, I knew that my husband was the one taking care of her at home. So I was like very at ease. Right. Yeah, that would make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so what kind of childcare did she start at? two months then uh, I think it was so so for for the first few months one of us was always taking care of her and I think it was probably around four months that she started at um, a family daycare part-time so she was there um, I think three days three days three days a week and then after that um, once I went back to work full-time she went she went back to she started daycare full-time at so the same probably, yeah same place. place yeah and did you do that near your home or near your work since they're so far apart yeah it's closer to our apartment it's about maybe 15 minutes away but it's on the way to um the BART station where oh, I okay. get on the train yeah oh nice when you were at work um did you have everything that you needed for privacy for pumping milk, for example, or um, did you have to invent that or did you not need any special accommodations at work? So it was, it's kind of funny because um, our office was so small and we were going, we were going to move offices, but like our office was completely like open floor plan. <laughs> we had, we had some conference rooms, but they were like glass walls, like, yep. and there were only like two or three of them so they were always being used like we were really hitting the capacity of that office and um and so you always hear these like 
horror stories of people who have to like pump in like a closet or like the bathroom or but that's where I pumped so I (laughs) I set up like they set up like a really nice chair and like little side table for me in the handicap stall in the women's bathroom Mm -hmm. so it was very spacious it was probably like um maybe like five by five feet Okay. So it was like, it wasn't like a tiny bathroom stall. Like there was room for like a comfy armchair, a side table, and I left my pump in there and I had to like drag an extension cord. So (laughs) so it was really funny because everyone, every time a woman would come into the bathroom, they would know if I was in there pumping. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Pumps aren't quiet either. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fine. Like it was, um, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't ideal, but given the office that we had, like, that was the best and it was fine. Like, I felt like I had the privacy I needed. Okay, good. Um, and did you ask anyone or did you just uh, figure out that that would be the best place? Yeah, I, uh, I asked and um, and I knew, I knew what the answer was going to be because I know the layout of the office and I know mm-hmm. there's just, like, no private rooms. Yeah. Um, and we were going to be moving in a few months. And so so we actually just moved offices and there's like a super nice mother's room, although no one's using it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fantastic that the company's made the commitment to have it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It means that the next woman down the line won't have to, to be in that situation. Um, I asked the only other woman at my company who was um, the accountant and had had her kids like at least a decade earlier. Um, and she told me to pump in the bathroom. She was like, I don't know, I guess the bathroom. And it took me, it took me a good couple of months before I realized that there were actually really great, small, private meeting rooms that no one used. Um, and it made me, uh, yeah, feel really annoyed that I didn't ask anyone else at that point. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's great that they, they made you as comfortable as they could. Right. Yeah. Like pumping on a toilet is not great. No. <laughs> I've thought about this. I've thought about um, maybe making some kind of video. I feel like it would go viral of just like people sitting on <laughs> toilets, preparing food, like on their laps and then offering it up to the camera. Like, huh? Want to eat this? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll happen. Um, <laughs> next, next Kickstarter project. Yeah, exactly. Um, so did you, uh, did you return to the same exact kind of work that you were doing before your leave? Um, and, uh, yeah, did you want to keep doing the same kind of work or did you have an idea that you would want to change what you were doing after word? So there were like several factors. One was that I was working part-time and so the type of work, like, I was looking for work that I could sort of do in chunks and still like provide, you know, like contribute to the team, but wouldn't be like super urgent, like needs to be done. And, you know, I'd have to work on the days that I was taking leave. Um, So the type of work was slightly different. Another thing was that when I started taking my leave, we were about, we were about at about 20 employees. And when I came back, we were at about 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was only like two months later. That was right when we had like a hiring spurt. Yeah. And then and then the day after I came back, 
well, I, I came back on a Thursday or Friday, and then that, that Monday, we had eight interns start. And so, so the office was just like totally different. It was like the engineering team was like, like I had gone from knowing everyone very, very well on the engineering team to basically like not knowing most people very well. Interesting. Um, so I think the timing was like, um, <laughs> I mean, the time, yeah, the timing was like not ideal in that sense, just because like the company went through sort of spurts of growth and it would have been way easier if I had taken my leave not during one of those spurts. <laughs> um, but it just, you know, it was what it was. So, yeah. So that was my next question. If um, you felt that your leave had any unintended effects on your career, and this is a really interesting one that the company itself changed a bit while you were out, it just, uh, you know, it grew a lot by a 50%, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I've been thinking about this a lot and it's, it's just, I guess I've been trying to figure out like if people, if women in particular are less likely to join startups and, you know, we have as like almost as good a maternity leave policy as Google. Um, but I could imagine, I mean, from my time at Google, I could imagine, you know, taking four months of leave and possibly coming back to like, not much has changed. Right. Right. <laughs> and that, that doesn't happen at a startup. Like some people go on vacation for two weeks and they come back and like, depending on what stage the company is at, like everything could be different. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And so it, whenever people say that, they're like, man, I, I feel like I've been gone for so long and like everything's different because they went on vacation for one week. And I was like, well, imagine like being gone for two months, right? Yeah, it, it's kind of scary to think about. Yeah, um, yeah but you've made a, a great recovery since then. Yeah. So it also shows it can be done. It can, it definitely can be done. <laughs> All right, so you've talked a little bit about um, your partner and how he helped out during the first um, couple of months that you guys really made that a pretty equal thing. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have other support in the area? I don't know if you're from the Bay Area originally or... Um, yeah, both of our families are on the East Coast. So it was just us. Um, we, you know, we early on, we thought about, you know, having parents come for the first period of time. And this is something that's very common with like, um, I think just like traditionally, like Asian families often have like the mother come, like the, the, the mother of the baby's mother. So the grandmother come and just like live with them. And for us, I mean, we have a small place. And so <laughs> it was sort of like, we didn't know if we were crazy for saying like, oh no, we can handle it. Um, and my parents were sort of like, yeah, if you can't handle it, just like give us a call and we'll book a flight. Cause like, you know, uh -huh. we've never had a baby before. And so I, but our, our rationale was like, well, there's two of us and like, we could probably figure it out. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think if it was just one of us at home and one of us had to go back to work full time immediately, it would be a completely different, like completely different story. Yeah. Um, but there, there were like, we were both home full time for the first few weeks. And I think, um, yeah, I think we did, we did really well. 
Yeah, that's um, and it's great that you had that offer, that open offer. Right. Um, right. Backup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think yeah, even just knowing you have backup is yeah. helps to ensure you don't need that's to true. call the backup. Um, and how how do you and your husband decide um, who will do what for for um, childcare things, or you know, how do you balance if someone has an important meeting? Um, it sounds like you both have sort of equal careers. You're yeah. both career people. Yeah. So right now we're sort of, yeah, we want, we want to be equals. And so like right now that's like, everything is split pretty equally. So even now, like we split um, like Monday and Wednesdays after work, I'll take care of Alina at night. Just because if you, if you don't specify that, then like both people feel like they should be taking care of her. And then, and then it's just like really tiring for both people. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what we found is like, just saying like allowing one person to do other things guilt-free is just like, that's really worked well for us. Oh, um, that's a great idea. And we did that like the first few weeks completely. Like, so my husband actually, um, he was nocturnal for the first maybe three weeks. Like he <sighs> would, he would be up the whole night and then he would sleep during the day. And so we had completely separate like baby shifts, but when it wasn't our turn, like, you know, we could do whatever we wanted, which was oh, nice. really nice. Um, and just like sort of makes it super explicit that like, okay, it's not your turn. You know, you can go read a book or you can go like, yeah. the internet, which is <laughs> pretty, pretty nice luxury to have when you're, you have like a newborn at home. It's true. Um, yeah. yeah. You can feel like, um, I mean, did you, did you feel this, that if it wasn't your turn and you heard her crying, was that hard for you in any way? Or were you completely okay saying he's got it? I think, um, yeah, I was completely okay. Cause I think that, I think if, if like one of us had become like the 90% caregiver for a few months and then, and then we tried to make it more equal, like I could see like being anxious when she was crying, but it was his turn to take care of her because you don't know like, oh, like, does he know what to do? Or, you know, does he know this specific thing? But because it was always equal, we never had that sort of, and we tried to keep it equal because I don't know, I think there's a a danger in like one person becoming the expert (laughs) and then the other person feeling like, oh, that person knows way more than me. And, you know, they're the one who is like the real, the real parent who like knows all the things. Right. And like, I feel like yeah. there's a, there's a feedback loop there, right? Exactly. If you fear the other person isn't going to do it right. And then you always take control, then they never learn to do it right. Right. Or, right. yeah. Or figure so, out their own way, which yeah, can be so we another really right. Tried to avoid that sort of dynamic. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, okay. So you didn't have the grandparents nearby, but you did have your husband and you guys work really well together. Um, are, are there any other resources that you would turn to, to, to ask questions or, um, did you know other parents maybe from the neighborhood or from the daycare or, um, do you use online things like, uh, yeah. forums or I, I know there are some lists on medium. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of my coworkers have young children, and so sometimes I would ask them questions. Or um, 
I was on Reddit a lot, which seems sounds weird, but there's like subreddits um, for for pregnant women called so it's reddit.com slash r slash baby bumps, and that's like sort of pregnant women stuff. And then there was one that's sort of like people who had their baby, and it was slash uh, sorry reddit.com slash r slash beyond the bump. <laughs> and so um, and and like. I think I would visit it like every day. I didn't really participate much. I was sort of more of a consumer. But if you've ever been to like pregnant or have a baby like type forums online, a lot of the people are kind of like crazy and very like <laughs> um, like judgy. <laughs> but these like these forums were like the most sane. Like they just seemed like really like the expectation of the for- of the subreddits were like not to be judgy and like the culture around them. I, I really liked it. Oh, well, that's an awesome tip. I would never have thought to look there. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just have a couple of questions left for you. Um, what secret tips do you have? Are there any secret um, discoveries you've made for making your life work? Um, and then if you could travel back in time to give yourself advice um, from before you had a baby, what would you say um let's see tips so i think one of the things that worked really well for us was basically splitting up the splitting up taking care of alina into shifts and um, we used an app called baby connect and it would sync across like at the time i had an android phone so it would sync across all phones and you know there was like a web interface as well but basically we took, we like kept track of when she ate, when she like went to the bathroom, when she um, had a diaper change. And so especially in those first, that like first month where you're just kind of like tired the whole time, it was nice to be able, like, as long as everyone was recording, like both of us were recording, like all the things we had done, it was very easy to switch like who was in charge. Because if she started crying, if you, if you, started your shift and she started crying you could just check this app and it would say like you know she ate two hours ago but she just had a diaper change and you would you know it would be really easy to say okay she probably is hungry and yeah if you had to keep all that in your mind it's probably really difficult to switch back and forth between who's taking care of her right yeah wow that is so much more efficient than um at at the beginning my husband and i just had a whiteboard that we wrote things on and of course um you know it fills up and then stuff gets erased (laughs) and uh yeah yeah it totally makes sense that there is an app for that yeah it was it was really helpful for us cool well so is there anything else that you um would want to tell your earlier self or maybe women who haven't had their kids yet who might be listening to this? Um, well, I guess two things, which one, one of which people told me before I had a kid. And then, so now I've become like one of these people who tell other people this, which is like, just really in, like, I don't even know what I did before I had a kid, like in the evenings or like on the weekends. (laughs) Like, it just seems crazy that you had, I had, like, all this time that, like, did not have any, like, there was no one sort of, like, that needed attention. 
especially on like airplanes. Right. It's, it's like hard for me to imagine being like taking all these airplane flights that I hated. And now I look back and I'm like, you had, you had no idea like how good you had it. Like you could sleep, you could take, you could like watch a movie, you could read a book. <laughs> um, so I guess maybe that's not good advice because I'd never really listened to that when I, before I was pregnant and had a baby. Just don't um, take your freedom for granted. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I guess I had one more thing. Well, I guess the other thing was that I felt for us, like it never really seemed like there would be the perfect time. Like we both knew we wanted to have kids, but I felt, I feel like there's always something that could be better. Like, you know, you could always be more financially stable or it's like, if you're going to wait to buy a house or like, there's all these things that could be better. And I guess we decided that like, you know, if we waited until the conditions were like just perfect, like who knows how old we would be. <laughs> like That might be, you know, it might be like 10 years down the road. And like, we both knew we wanted to have kids. And I don't think either of us, I think both of us knew, knew that like, if we had a kid now, like there's no way we would have regretted it, you know, like, oh, we, maybe we should have waited longer. <laughs> right. Um, so that was sort of like, that yeah I guess the decision making process of like, like there's just never going to be like the perfect like the conditions are never going to be perfect I guess yeah I think that's great advice um I also I, I was told that by a friend who had kids um mm -hmm. when I was thinking about doing it she said it will never it will never be perfect and um yeah I, I think it's fantastic advice um it becomes perfect I mean just the, the way that life yeah. is, you know, the way, the way life is enjoyable, it turns out to be the perfect time. You right. deal with it in, in a positive way, right? Yeah, you figure it out. Um, yeah, I think that's really great advice. Yeah, I mean, I was at, I mean, I am at, still at, and like, at the time I was at a startup, and like, probably for a lot of people, they would think, oh, it'd be nice to be at like a very, like, you know, large company with like, you don't have to do a lot of work, <laughs> you know, all these things, but like, you know, this is sort of the life that I want and you just sort of make it work. So, well, it's definitely inspiring to see how you're making it work. So thank you so much for being willing to talk about it. Sure. Thanks for, thanks for organizing. Oh, you're welcome. That wraps up this week on the motherboard thanks to Heroku and all of our kickstarter supporters for making this project a reality if anyone missed the chance to contribute to the campaign you can head over to motherboardpodcast.com support the podcast excluding theme music and sponsor reads is released under a creative commons license for more details visit motherboardpodcast.com about Last but not least, all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Best wishes for your work-life balance and easy parenting.